the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. A little old storm doesn't scare any of you guys. You know, I think God gets tickled when you guys show up when other people have excuse not to. I think he has a special place in his heart for you. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers. He's not just, I don't think he's just talking just about sinners, just about Wretched folks. I think he's just talking about people that don't believe. And it could be some people in the church, you know. People that that should believe but don't. Come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them. That means don't be an unbeliever. If the Word of God says it, what does that do? Settles it. Come out from among them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. And I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Tonight's message is, I had no ID. I had no ID. I had no ID that I was the son of the Almighty God. No, but I had no ID. Now, in some states... If you lose your ID and you have to go apply for another one, if you've ever been down to the Department of Motor Vehicles, you know that can be quite an experience. You need to get prayed up before you go down there. <laughs> you have many options. ABC News states that there are now 58 gender identities which to choose from. <laughs> 58 gender identities that you can choose from. You're talking about a society that has lost their identity. We're going to talk about identity tonight. We live in a world where people do not know how to identify themselves. They don't know if they're coming or going. No wonder they can't even get the boy-girl thing right. I don't even, I don't think it's mathematically possible to make 58 out of two. But anyway, in this world, we're being pulled from every side. You got people trying to pull you over here. Be this, do that. Listen to me. I know what's best for you. I mean, we had that growing up. Your parents told you what you needed to do. Your your coach said do this. Your teacher said do this. Your guidance counselor. Some of them were really trying to help you. But then you had some of them that was, hey, take a hit of this. Come over here, we're going to do this. 
And some of them weren't trying to help you. They were just trying to entrap you into the same things that they were doing, right? People, the media, the culture in which we live, it's all speaking. And it's all trying to get you to identify with them. Or it's telling you what your identity is. Or it's confusing you about what your identity is, right? The world is, has made this place way too complicated. Could you agree? But are we supposed to identify with what they say? Or do we have a different source? Because too many people are feeling unloved, unwanted, unwelcomed, undone, unsure. We're living in a society we, we need to know who we are. We got to settle that. We got to know whose we are. And if you know whose you are, you're not far from knowing who you are. That's pretty good right there. Lily Tomlin said, I've always wanted to be somebody. But I see now I should have been more specific. <laughs> you don't want to end up there wanting to be somebody and then find that that's not who you were supposed to be, right? God sent a deliverer named Moses. He said, Moses, I need you to go set my free, people free. I hear them, their complaints. I hear that, that they're in a bad situation. I need you to go, Moses. Well, Moses, he didn't know who he was. He thought he started out as Egyptian, and now, now he's in the middle of the desert. He thought his life was over. He, nothing exciting going on around here but just tending the sheep. Now all of a sudden there's this burning bush and God's trying to tell him you can go back to the place you came from and speak to the Pharaoh and deliver a huge amount of people out of bondage. And he's like, I don't see myself doing that. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. Get somebody else. So Moses had an identity problem. Kind of made God mad. Finally, God says, look, Moses, I'll send Aaron with you. But the main thing you need to know is I'm going to be with you. And so reluctantly, Moses finally agreed and he went. He went to deliver this people who had been in slavery, in bondage to the Egyptians for 400 years. Now you got to think about 400 years. That means their great, great, great granddaddy was a slave. They don't know life outside of slavery. They get up in the morning and put their shoes on and go out and make bricks. Or they go dig ditches or whatever they're told to do. They work all day. They come back. They eat whatever's in the pot that was given them to eat. They go to sleep. And then they wake back up the next morning and do it all over again. And that is all they know. They're slaves. So when Moses comes and tries to say, hey, look, I got a plan. God wants to deliver you. They resisted Moses. You know, people are really 
can be really stubborn to change. Even when it's great change. Even when it's, when it's coming out of slavery kind of change. That's why Jesus asked the guy, do you want to be healed? Because some people just have grown accustomed to their slavery. I know a guy that was in jail for so long, they let him out. He went out and committed a crime so he could go back because he didn't want to leave. That's the only life he knew. But anyway, Moses got him excited about a new kind of life. Walking with God. Told him, showed him some miracles. God piqued their interest, you know. God loves you, trying to tell them. So they said, okay, well, we'll see. They probably didn't think it was going to happen anyway. But ten miracles later, Pharaoh, who's holding on so hard, finally that last miracle where the firstborn was killed, his own firstborn was killed, he says, y'all just go. That's it. Y'all get out of here. And the, the God's people plundered the Egyptians. They got all their gold and silver to go with them. And it says they left and not one among them was feeble. And they, they had shoes on their feet and they had plenty of cattle and they just left in style. God blessed them right off the bat coming out of slavery. I remember when I got saved, it's like God did that for me. Just, just this beautiful experience and God's blessing in all of my life. Well, <clears throat> Pharaoh changes his mind. He says, no, wait a minute. Now that they're gone, I kind of miss them. <laughs> Who's going to make the bricks? So they get stuck at the, the Red Sea, and Pharaoh comes back after them. Now, Pharaoh, he kind of liked the devil. He did not want to let you go. When you got saved, he fought hard against it. But he couldn't fight against God. There was nothing in all of heaven or hell that could stop you from being saved when you gave your heart to Jesus. But now he's thinking, I want him back. And he comes back after him. And what do the people do? They stood up and they said, he's coming back at me. What are you kidding I saw God do 10 miracles. I ain't afraid of him anymore. It's not what they did. They said, Moses, you brought us all the way out here in the wilderness to get us killed. And they were about to have a heart attack. Moses had to tell them, just shut up. If you can't say nothing good, don't say nothing at all. Just be quiet and watch what God will do. And so he stuck his staff in the Red Sea and the Red Sea parted. And they were able to walk through on dry ground. But the devil, well, Pharaoh didn't work out so well with him. You see, God will drown all those who seek to hold you down. He'll bring you through on solid ground when you decide to walk with the Lord. See, you got authority over the devil. The devil's already been defeated. But the devil... You see, he doesn't create anything. He only perverts and distorts and, and twists everything, tries to, everything that God... See, he don't even have... The devil has lost his power because of the cross. He cannot do anything to you except what you let him do, unless, except what you believe that he says. But he's still doing fine, you understand? He's still controlling a lot of the church because we're still listening to him. We're still believing him. 
And we're still allowing him to, to cause us to make bad decisions based on faulty information about ourselves. He's still seeking to conceal who we really are in this new life that we have found in Christ. And we seem to want to believe him more than we do the Bible. And there's nothing God will do about that if you just choose to want to still believe you're the same old person that you used to be. See, the battle is right here. For every person, not just believer, but every person, the battle is right here. What are you going to believe? The Word of God or the world? The Word of God or Pharaoh? The Word of God or your past, your circumstances, the things you've been through? What somebody said about you in the second grade? Your daddy said you'll never amount to nothing. And you're still dealing with that. And you're still allowing it to control your decision-making processes. Devil just whispering in your ear all the time. That's why the Bible gives us the whole armor of God. That we're supposed to put it on so that the enemy cannot penetrate. He gives us a helmet of salvation. The helmet tells you what your salvation package includes. It should give you a, a covering so that you know that you're saved, that you know who you believe, you know what you believe. But we don't see ourselves as worthy sometimes. It, it, it sounds too good. Well, it's so good. I know it may be good for other Christians, but you don't know me. And we look down on ourselves. But you're forgiven for everything that you did before. And you say, I, I believe that. But you still bring those things up about yourself. And I want to tell you tonight that the cross was a finished work. He didn't, do, he didn't cover most sins or some sins. But he covered all sins, past, present, and future. The sin debt has been paid, and Jesus, when he was on the cross, said, it is finished. And he will not turn you away. Because you are accepted. You listening, Josh? You are accepted. And see, that's the biggest need of most people to understand that I really am accepted by God just the way I am in my broke down state right now and all, all my mess. I'm accepted. And he sees me as worthy to be called a son or a daughter of Christ. He sees me accepted. I'm accepted. Wait a minute, I've always wanted acceptance. I was the last one they would pick when they would pick teams for soccer. And I was sitting there waiting. Pick me, pick me. I hope, at least I hope I don't, maybe they pick me second to last, so I ain't the very last one. Right? But God picks you first. He picks you before you even know you're going to play. 
Ephesians 1 verse 6 says, You are accepted in the beloved. You are. You, it don't say you might be. You are accepted to the praise of the glory of His grace, it says, by which He has made us accepted in the beloved. It's His grace. And grace is something we don't deserve. We just need to get past that part. We didn't deserve any of this. I don't deserve it any more than you do. We're all in this thing together. Receiving the grace of life. All accepted. Nobody will be turned away who comes to the cross for shelter. And Jesus is longing to give you a new identity. He wants to give you a new ID card. You are no longer a slave to Pharaoh. You're no longer a sinner. You were a sinner, but now you're saved by grace. And see, that's what the the Israelites couldn't understand. 400 years of slavery ingrained in them. Their experience, what their daddy told them, son, you're a slave just like me. You'll always be a slave. Our family's poor. Our family's this. Your great-granddaddy drank. I drink. You'll probably drink. For years of The wrong ID being put in. And so even when they saw the ten miracles, they saw the Red Sea parted, they walked through the other side, the first thing they do is they begin to worry, God ain't going to give me nothing to drink. I'm thirsty. There ain't no food out here. Like the, the God who just parted the Red Sea couldn't provide. Like God's not big enough to provide. Where would you expect to find your identity if you don't find it from the one who created you? Where are you looking for your identity? Can we at least agree that the person who created you is the one who should identify you? If I paint a picture, I'm going to put my name on it. And if I want to call it rose petals from heaven, I will. I can call it whatever I want to call it because I painted it. And that's where you're going to find your identity is in your creator. John 1.12 says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are born again or reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes From God. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've been born again. You have a brand new spirit. Yes, you're still living in this flesh and your mind's got a long way to go. But that's just part of the process. But you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if you give birth to a baby, who gets to name it? If you delivered it, you get to name it. Am I telling the truth? God has the right to give you your identity because He's not only your creator, He's your deliverer. 
He has delivered you from the gates of hell. From the miry clay. From darkness and destruction. From the kingdom of the devil. He, has, he is your deliverer. And, he, and you're, in him you're born again. By the Spirit. By his Spirit. I think I'd listen to what he has to say about me. Probably going to be a lot better than what anybody else says. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit into, to, to his son, the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father, Daddy. See, our spirits know that he, instinctively know that he's Father which is in heaven. And if we have a relationship, we get close enough, we'll allow his spirit in our heart to just go and say, you're daddy. You know, the endearing father term. That's a good thing he's our daddy. He's not some far off father. He's daddy. And you know where people get their identity, even in the, in the natural? Usually the mother is the nurturer, but the father brings the identity into a young man's life. To a young woman's life. They're looking to the dad. To find out what he says about me. He's the one that blesses the family. He's the one that speaks over his children. And that's not, you know if you're a single parent or whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Now you are no longer a slave. But God's own child. Ooh, that's an upgrade right there. From a slave of the devil to God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. Do you know what heir means? That means whatever God has will be yours. It is yours. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to the so-called gods that did not even exist. Man, we was believing in all kinds of stuff that wasn't even true. So now that you know God, or I should say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves? Once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world. Why would you want to go back to anything that the world had to offer? But so many Christians even, they waste so many years of their new life not understanding their new identity. Just like these Israelites out in the wilderness. They don't believe that God's going to bring them food. They don't believe God's going to bring them water. They're worried about provision when Matthew 6.33 says, but just seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. They don't believe God's promises. Is his arm too short to save? Is there no power in God? Will he not meet your needs according to his riches and glory? See, we, we, don't, we don't understand how valuable we are to God. Some of our human relationships have beat us up so bad, we just think we're, we ain't no good to nobody. Nobody can love me. It seems like nobody will. Every time I get my hopes up, somebody breaks my heart. But Jesus is fully invested in you. 
He has already gone the whole, the whole way to death, even to the grave for you. He has already been there for you. He has already proven his loyalty and his love to you beyond a shadow of a doubt. There is no question about his loyalty and his love for you. He went all in. When they were in the wilderness, manna began to fall from heaven to give them something to eat. You imagine two million people out in the middle of the desert. They don't have food trucks and water trucks and stuff. They just walked out there. I imagine they were a little concerned and they had to keep their focus. God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. They had to remember what he had brought you through before. Do you remember all the things God brought you through? What are you facing now? Will he bring you through? The thing that you're worrying about today, two weeks from now, you won't even remember it anymore. Nine times out of ten. There were things you were worried about that you thought your life was over in the third grade and you're still here. That's true. God said, I'm going to give you manna every day. Collect enough for you to eat, but don't collect more. What did they do? They hoarded it up. They collected enough for the rest of the week. Well, I got, I got a sack full. Don't tell God, but I got a sack full in the bag. They ate till they was full. The next morning they got up. Let's get some more of that manna. And they went to their supply and it was rotten, worms, nasty. And God says, see, that's, I knew you would do that. I knew you wouldn't trust me. And I wanted to show you, you got to trust me day by day. You don't have to have a huge bank account. To be rich. You don't have to hoard up things in your house. Worrying what happens if this happens. Or this happens. Or if the economy goes down. I've always met the needs of my people. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their seed begging bread. All you got to do. To seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things will be added unto you. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has sufficient worry for itself, Jesus said. There'll be some new worry tomorrow. Why do you want to heap tomorrow's worry into today? Trust Jesus for today. Then they got to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and Moses went up to meet with God. They could see lightning flashing and all these things. And Moses is up there meeting with God. And these people are like, he's been gone a long time. <laughs> I wonder if he's coming. I, I, I don't know about this Moses guy. I don't think he's coming back. It's been three days. Well, I guess we need to go back to Egypt. And how many Christians do you know? Served the Lord pretty good when they got a strong leader with them. But as soon as they, God tests them to see if they can handle 40 days on their own without somebody watching over them. Oh, I might as well go back to the world. Might as well go back. Moses' brother Aaron said, 
Well, just give me all your gold jewelry. We'll make our own God. And he threw it in there. And they formed a golden calf, and they were down there worshiping a golden calf when Moses finally came down from the mountain. Just 40 days later. Couldn't hold on. Couldn't, you know, you go through times in your life. God is testing you. You say, I can't hear from God. I'm praying. It don't feel like he's with me. This, 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 and that. Could it be that God is just saying if you can grow up a little bit? And by faith, live this Christian walk without having him hold your hand like a baby? Maybe you can walk on your own a little bit? He's not gone anywhere. He's coming back. He's never, he never leaves you or forsakes you. Because you don't feel goosebumps don't mean he's not there. If he's given you a, a space in your life where it seems dry and you feel like you're in the wilderness, just keep going. Just keep doing what you know to do until you meet him on the other side. Because he's with you. He's just, he's, he's trying to grow you. It's part of the, the process. Hebrews 3.14 says, if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Remember, you're an heir. Everything that's Christ is yours. We're heirs. Along with Christ. Remember what it says. And this is in the New Testament. Now check it out. This is Hebrews in the New Testament. Today when you hear his voice. Don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. We're in the New Testament. He's still talking about when they built that golden calf. Don't harden your hearts. And rebel against God. Stay true to the end. Our obligation is to believe and to stay true. And to walk with God. And then they, they came upside the promised land. And Moses sent 12 spies in. He said, go tell me what kind of land it is that we're about to receive. And so they came back and they were carrying big clusters of grapes and all this. And they said, oh, it's indeed a beautiful land. But there's big guys in there. There's giants. There's walled cities. This all this stuff. Moses should have just stopped him. Oh, I didn't ask you to, for all that. I didn't ask for that report. I just said, go see what we're about to get. I didn't tell you to come back and tell me why we can't have it. Of course, you know, Caleb and Joshua, they said, man, let's go right away. God, God's with us. <laughs> didn't he bring us through the Red Sea? Didn't he do the 10 miracles back to get us out of slavery? Didn't he feed us with manna? Didn't he give us water from the rock? Didn't he give us food in the wilderness? Didn't he go before us in a cloud by day and a fire by night? Hadn't he proven himself to us yet? But those ten said, no, no, no. And that's what happens sometimes, even in churches. The loudest voice starts talking, starts Spoiling the vine. And the pastor can't bring the people in to where they're supposed to go. Or God can't bring, bring, bring you in your life to where you need to go. Because you've allowed voices of the enemy. You hadn't separated yourself from those things. You hadn't put on your armor. You hadn't made a point that, that I'm going to only, I, I'm going to come out from among them and be ye separate. I'm not going to be like the unbeliever. I'm going to be a believer. 
And so they identified as grasshoppers. They said, we see ourselves and the people see us. They'll kill us. We'll stomp on us like we're grasshoppers. What is that? That's an identity problem. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, you will never take the promised land. You will never enter in. You will die in the wilderness. God, even God, would not bring that stiff-necked, rebellious bunch of people into the promised land because they would not believe His promises. They hardened their hearts against His promises. They would not identify as children of God. They'd rather identify as grasshoppers. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you are able. You are able. They weren't able to enter in, but you are able. You remember when I prayed that God would do something in your heart tonight. You need to know you're able. Whatever challenge you're facing, you are well able. Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can conquer this stuff. What stuff? All things. Because all things are possible to him that believes. <laughs> A child of God can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Right? All things. But without faith, you'll always end up a desert dweller. Faith, see, see, faith is the only appropriate response to God's faithfulness. His faithfulness demands a little faith on our part. It's the only appropriate response. Hebrews 6.11 says that, that it's impossible to please God without faith. You must believe that He is. He is what? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He is, in my opinion, a good, good Abba. He's never let me down. And when I think he has, and when I'm going through a tough time and thinking that he's not there, on the backside of it, I see what he was doing. And I'm glad that he was doing it. And I can say from experience that all things are working together to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You may not understand it now, but that's okay. We don't walk by sight. We don't walk by this. We walk by faith. We have determined that we are going to believe God's word through the storm. In the midst of the storm. Craig Dennison says, As believers, we hear that we're God's children. And I believe that's become such a cliché. I mean, there's been so much preaching. We're oversaturated with preaching. We've heard these things so many times, they've become like cliches. And we don't even, it doesn't even begin to register. What if that, wait a minute. If that's true, I mean, if that's more than just words in a Bible, all believers, we hear we are God's children. But often we don't live 
our lives in response to that truth. Instead, we live out of the mindset of an orphan. Children don't worry when they have a good father. They don't wonder if they'll be able to eat, if they're loved, or if they have a place in this world. The unconditional love of a parent lays a foundation for them to secure peace and joy. Your God desires the same for you. God wants to lay an unshakable foundation for for you based solely on his love for you as his child so that when the storms come and the waves come crashing over you, you remain strong in your identity. He identifies as your father. And he wants you to know that he loves you so unconditionally that no matter what happens, you can stand strong. Your house is built on the rock. And when the wind and the waves come, you will be left standing because you had faith to believe in Abba. Faith to believe that God is for you and not against you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Faith to stand in the storm. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. And you are loved. You are completely cared for down to the last hair on your head. You don't need to worry about your place in this world. Or for that matter, in the next world. You are loved because of who God is. Not because of who you are. It's not based on you, so you can't mess it up. God is love. It's His nature. He cannot go against His nature. He is love, and He's going to love you whether you love Him or not. Whether you act right or not. God is love. And you enter the promised land by knowing who you are in that love. Finding your identity in His love, in Christ. The, word in, the words in Christ appear in the Bible, just in the New Testament, I think like 140 times. Everything in there, all the promises of God are yes and amen. In Him, in Christ, I live and move and have my being. In Christ, over and over, if, you, if you'll read it, if you'll lay your eyes on the pages of Scripture, it won't take you long. To begin to see who you are in Christ. Blaise Pascal says, not only do we not know God except through Jesus Christ, we don't even know ourselves except through Jesus Christ. We don't know who we are until we've discovered ourselves in Christ. And he sees the end from the beginning. 
Today, yesterday, and today are all the same to him. He already knows what you're going to be when you get to heaven. He believes in you now, in the process. And you let him talk to you. You let him be the one whispering in your ear. The voice of a stranger, don't follow, my goodness. Matthew 5, 48, in the message paraphrase, this is not an actual translation, just like a, I don't even consider it a Bible, but I consider it something that I might quote every now and then if it says something in a good way to give me an explanation. It says, in a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. You know why you can afford to live graciously and generously? Because you can't outgive God. The more you love somebody else, the more you feel loved. The more you give to somebody else, the more blessed that you become. It's time for us to soar past the slave mentality of the past. We don't want to be like those stuck in the wilderness. Something totally awesome is awaiting you on the other side of your captivity thinking. Now I want you to stop for a moment. And I know it sounds good in here, but what are you going to be thinking about when you wake up in the morning? What are your cares and your worries? Are you going to cast them on the Lord? Are you going to trust God tomorrow? Or is it only when you get here and I got you excited on a Wednesday night? Is this going to impact your life? Are you really going to believe God? Because something awesome is waiting on you on the other side of this slave mentality. We are children of God. It's your true identity and it's your true purpose. Both of these are found in Christ. Now there was a farmer. He was walking through the woods and he found a baby eagle that had fell out of the nest. He picked up that baby eagle. He didn't know what to do with it. He put it in the the pen with his chickens. And over a period of some months, the eagle just started doing what he saw the other chickens do. For all intents and purposes, he was being a chicken. He was pecking. He was eating off the ground. He was eating seeds and doing what everybody else was doing. Well, the pastor came visit the farmer. He said, what are you doing with an eagle in your pen? He said, oh, pastor, that's not even an eagle anymore. That thing's just like a, just one of the chickens. And the pastor said, no, an eagle's meant to soar. That, that's not a, that eagle shouldn't be in there with the chickens. He said, let me see him. And he walked in there and he, he grabbed that eagle and he said, come on, eagle, fly, fly, eagle. And that eagle just looked around, jumped back down and started pecking on the ground again. Farmer said, I told you. pastor said that couldn't be so he got that eagle and he climbed the ladder up on the farmer's house and went to the to, by the chimney and he stood up there and said come on eagle fly you're meant to soar come on you can do it and the eagle just looked around kind of shimmied down the roof and went back and got in his pen farmer said i told you pastor climbed back down the roof 
That is not a chicken. That is an eagle. He grabbed that eagle. He got in his truck. The farmer went with him. They drove to the mountaintop. He got up on the highest peak on the mountain. And he said, come on, eagle, fly. You were meant to fly. God made you to soar. And the eagle, looking around, and he just couldn't take it no more. He lifted that eagle up straight to the sun. And he said, in Jesus' name, be who you are. And that eagle began to tremble. And flew and soared into the great beyond. And did eagle things. And you ain't made to be a chicken. You might have been pecking around like a chicken, but that's not who God made you. You... I'm trying to lift you up to the sun tonight. I'm trying to get you to begin to quiver and understand that you were made for more than this. I'm trying to hold your thoughts up to the light of the sun. What does Jesus say about you? What does his word say about you? He says you're loved, you're forgiven, you're fully able to reach your potential and your destiny. You are loved and accepted and you're worth everything to Jesus. Amen. You might say, I had no idea. But you do now. Find yourself. Find yourself in Him. Find yourself in Him and don't let anybody steal it from you. You squelch those voices of the past. You say, shut up, devil. You're under my feet. I do not listen to you anymore. You lied to me. You stole from me. But I serve a new master now. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.